Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. My guest today is Vanessa Raymond. Vanessa is an author, speaker, multiple business owner, and confidence coach. Good morning, Vanessa. Thank you for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? Good morning. I am really, really well. I'm so happy to be here. You've had several careers. and. It all led to what you're doing now. It's incredible. I love it. That's right. Yes. Take us take us from the beginning. Okay. Well, it is a mouthful. Do I call you Raphael? That would be nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Raphael, yes. So I started dancing when I was three years old. Mm. And so it's always been my love and my passion. My parents, ever since I was a little girl, when people asked me, what do you want to do one day? I wanted to perform. So I wanted to be a dancer. Uh, later in my life, I discovered musical theater. And so uh, that became a huge passion for me. And I, so I, I studied musical theater. I was a musical theater major in college. Nice. And then nice. I went on to perform professionally for, I don't know, 25 plus years. Oh. Yeah. And then, however, uh, also during that time, just after I left college, I continued and I became a, so you might detect an accent. I'm from South Africa originally. Nice. And so um, in South Africa, we call it a beautician. In the United States, a beautician isn't the same thing as in South Africa. So I, I got qualified as an esthetician and cosmetologist. And I kind of did that on the side. That was kind of my other love. However, <laughs> my life as a performer um, led me to the fitness industry, which is also coincidentally something that I grew up with because my father was a bodybuilder and he was a IFBB judge. So I was always immersed in the fitness and health world as well. Nice, nice. So yeah, so when um, in 2004, I became Pilates certified and became an avid, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a Pilates fanatic, I would say. <laughs> I became a teacher, a Pilates instructor, and then proceeded to become certified in, in a lot 
of other fitness modalities, kettlebells, yoga, personal training, you know, weight training, functional training, everything I could basically lay my hands on. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so moving into the fitness industry really was my path into the wellness industry, which is where I am now. <laughs> so it's been quite the, um, quite the journey. Now I call myself, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a self-confidence coach, or, or I, I like to call myself a self-image and confidence coach. Um, and all of that comes from my experience in the performance industry and the health and fitness industry. I've brought all that together and I now help people, entrepreneurs, speakers, leaders, how to show up as the best version of themselves. That's incredible. And when you think about the way you're putting everything together, really helping people because you understand so many aspects of what people may be going through. That's, that's very cool. When, when people find you, they must be like, wow, I found the perfect coach. Well, you know, I mean, it really in the end is about what people need and mm -hmm. what they are searching for. And I believe uh, there's a coach for everyone. There is. Not everybody resonates with everybody. And my methods are certainly, I wouldn't say unconventional, just different. The way I work is a little different from I would think or from what I know other coaches do. My process is, is a little different. So I, I think really, and I believe that each of us draw to us those who resonate with us. That's just how I pursue everything in life. Let, let's go back when you were a performer. Yeah. What takeaway do you have from that? What was your biggest takeaway? And what would you say? I mean, obviously, that's always going to stay with you. You're, you're a performer and you'll always be a performer. Am I right? Yes. Yes. This is huge, Raphael, because I have learned so much in my life from being a performer. I mean... Everything from being amazingly disciplined, being able to pick yourself up. And I think when you ask for the biggest takeaway, mm -hmm. learning how to pick yourself up when you have been defeated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, as a performer, it is a brutal industry as far as, well, firstly, it's very I like to say superficial as far as it's very focused on the outer beauty and the outer appearance. Mm -hmm. I learned, and this is, this is probably one of the biggest things that I work with on my clients, because I have learned that we have to step out of a situation and understand that it's not always about us. When I say that, I mean, going from audition to audition to audition um, maybe not getting the gig, but sometimes the harsh and brutal feedback from producers and directors. A story I like to tell is the story of this one of the early auditions that I went to, a job I really, really wanted. Um, everyone in South Africa wanted that gig and I auditioned for it. There were only two spots available at the time. I was, you know, I was in an audition up against 50 other women who all wanted the same parts or the same stuff, right. waiting, go, having an audition, feeling wonderful about it, leaving, waiting for that phone call, you know, um, mm -hmm. and picking up the phone and hearing, 
Well, Vanessa, you danced circles around the other girls, but you got to lose those thoughts. Wow. So that's the type of things that you deal with. I'm working on cruise ships. I worked on cruise ships for uh, quite a long time. I was a guest entertainer. You live with your audience and people can be kind of sometimes insensitive. They can, they just Mm. speak whatever they feel or whatever their (laughs) opinion is. And sometimes it's not so kind. So learning that, uh, especially in those audition situations, well, firstly, that guy, what, what his motivation was to say something that cruel, that mean to someone, I wouldn't know. But knowing that that's probably his issue, not mine. <laughs> that, was, that was the biggest, yeah, you have to know that. Yes. And then also understanding that sometimes these things are subjective. For instance, if you are going in for a job interview or you are going in for an audition, that director or that manager has a picture in his mind of what he thinks that character or that person should be or look like. And if you don't fit that mold, you're probably not going to get the job or going to get the part. Now, I've also learned that we do have the power to change that person's mind if we know how to show up with the right attitude and if we believe in ourselves enough to convince the other person that we're worthy. And so therein was the big lesson for me. And that's a big lesson to, to be able to realize yeah. What you actually are bringing and not what other people see, but what you feel, right? Exactly. And, and again, you know, in the performance industry, if they're casting a part, uh, let's say that the director's looking for a brunette with brown eyes and I walk in with blonde hair and green eyes, chances of me getting the gig isn't really that great. But it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I can't still make it happen. Right. It's persuading them, <laughs> right? Yes, and understanding that, you know, especially I think for women, but for, for men too, uh, we quite often think that physical appearance, especially in the performance industry, being skinny, having a perfect nose, having the hairstyle, doing all the things that we think we should be doing, when the thing that really matters is that actual energy you bring into the room, your personality, the person that you are, I'm showing up confidently. The confidence is what convinces the other person nine out of 10 times that you're the right person for whatever that is, whether it's a job, whether it's a speaking gig, whether it's, doesn't matter what it is, but if you have the right attitude, you have the right energy and you feel confident in who you are and you, you value yourself, you teach others to value you too. Right, because if you think about the media, is the one that made everybody think that you had to be in a certain shape, right? All the models were super skinny, tall, everything. And eventually, and I'm very happy it happened, they started bringing people who were just beautiful. And it didn't matter, you know, that they were not anorexic almost. And it changed the way we look. And it probably helped a lot of people because a lot of people, a lot of diseases came out of, I need to be like this. People became anorexic because they were trying to do something that was not possible. So they stopped eating. They got into all these difficult situations that were not needed. And it was all through the media. But once once the media decided, you know what, you're a beautiful woman or you're a beautiful man, and it doesn't matter necessarily your shape, it matters who you are. 
And so all these other magazines started coming out and they were just showcasing beautiful people. Real people. Real people. And there is the difference between a high model back in the day to a high model today. If you look at them, it's a huge difference. It really is. And I grew up in that era of the, yeah, you know, for the... We're the 80s generation. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, where you had the very, very, very skinny, uh, we call them rakes, you know, very, very skinny was the thing. And it's not healthy. And half the time, and here's the thing when I work with, I work with teenagers as well, uh, especially today too. Well, part of the issue right now is that we have all these filters and things that we work with on our phones and our, and so, uh, Kids and teenagers and even us, I mean, we like to pull up the Snapchat filter because you look younger and you look more beautiful. And But back in our day, it was all Photoshop, right? So I liked to pull up um, images of celebrities before and after the actual um, Mm -hmm. digital enhancements and go, guys, you're striving towards something that's not even real. Correct. That picture you see in the magazine or that, image you see in that advertisement or on that movie that's after it's been altered it's not even real so you are you are getting yourself into a state of anxiety and depression over something that's unattainable absolutely did you see that show mrs mazel yes Oh my God, such a funny show. I, you and, and, know, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've seen like, I, I think I was in season two when I kind of stopped watching because I just, but uh, yeah, I love that show. But he, here's, here's the thing that really cracked me up. If you looked at one of the episodes, the mom would be up two hours before getting herself all made up with the hair, the rollers, the makeup, and then she lay in bed next to the husband Right. So when he woke up, he would think that, oh, wow, look at my wife. She's beautiful. And then the daughter, because that's what she learned from her mother, she started doing it. And and these poor women were putting on this facade just to make appease their husbands. Yeah. Right. And to me, that was such a funny scene. And I'm like, I can't imagine having to do that. If I was a woman, I would not even do that. I wouldn't even think of it. Right. So imagine getting up two hours early just to make yourself up and lay back next in bed to be with somebody and and they're not releasing the you, you know, who you really are. Yeah, well, I mean, that is also a generation that... Yeah, that was back in, in, in the know, day. I remember because my mom's pretty proper. I, I love my mother. She's like the best person ever. And I always wanted to be like my mother. She's, right. she's I always said, if I could be like my mom, I'd be happy. Um, but I remember, you know, she was also, she wouldn't paint her nails in front of my dad. Um, now it's different. But back when I was younger, I think it's also part of that generation, kind of those types of things where you want to, and there's value in some of that. Okay. <laughs> so right. there, there's some yes. value in some of that um, for, for a lot of us. And, and when, I, when I talk about confidence too, I do talk about having a healthy body and do work out and do groom yourself. I'm not saying just don't care. It's all about caring Mm -hmm. and having self-respect. And there's different ways in which you can do that. But yeah, you know, that's a little bit over the top. Yeah, that that was, that was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. 
I've, I had a girlfriend once who, who was like that. Yeah. I never saw her without makeup, never saw her without high heels. She was always made up. And I was like, do you ever let your hair down? Do you ever relax? <laughs> well, the problem with that is, Rafael, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Okay, for nobody, that is sustainable. We can keep that up for a little while, but eventually you got to just be yourself and you got, especially to your partner, you are going to be sick. You are going to go through times when you're not your best and it's okay. It's human and it's important to be real. Um, It's important to be able to do that too, to feel good and look good and, and want to make your partner happy by being your best self, but it's not something you want to do 24 seven because nobody has just one dimension to them. I would say we all have different dimensions. I talk about authenticity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I feel like I love and hate that word because I love that word because it is important for everybody to be authentic. However, some people use being authentic as an excuse to not try or to not be better. Mm. It doesn't, authenticity doesn't mean the point I'm trying to make is that we all have different, different parts of ourselves. And it doesn't mean that if I'm sitting on the couch with my slippers on watching TV, I'm not being as authentic as I am standing on stage all dressed up beautifully in my high heels and my makeup. I'm just as authentic in one spot as I am in another, but there's a place and a time for everything. And I think that's kind of one of those things that have gotten lost in the shuffle, in the whole thing of people trying to be authentic. And again, you know, I'm generalizing. I'm not talking about everybody. Of course, of course. I have come across so many people that use being authentic as an excuse not to make an effort. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I agree with you 100% on that because you have to be you. And there's different facets of you, right? Right. The way you wake up in the morning is not the same way you're going to look you know, 20 minutes later, if you showered or you combed your hair, brushed your teeth. So there is that process that we all go through. And we have different, we should have different stages in our day of how we are presenting ourselves. When we present ourselves in a, in a business aspect or in a friendly aspect to someone, where when you're winding down and when you're with your family, when you're with your loved ones, it, you may act a little bit differently and it's just you being you right and it's almost like wearing a bunch of different hats during the day because you put on your business hat you you know sometimes you put on your your comedian hat because you have to laugh right life is so rich that we should enjoy every aspect of it and sometimes we're so busy we forget to enjoy isn't that true we forget to enjoy absolutely and i think Life for me, and I think a lot of people are experiencing it, has just become more and more hectic kind of through the years. And it's got to do with everything, social media, the fact that we are connected all the time. Uh, That's not how we grew up. Our generation didn't grow up that way. And, you know, I remember when I started working on cruise ships in the year 2000, I was still using pay phones to connect with my parents in South Africa, right? And that's not even that long ago. We didn't really, there were cell phones, but the technology wasn't like it is now. But the point I want to make is that as human beings, we have instincts and we have um, intuition and it's normal and natural for us to adjust 
to situations and even act different with, with different people right. because that's just who we are. It doesn't mean that we're not being authentic if we're one way with one person. We adapt to other people's personalities. We were made to do that and we got to understand that and it's okay. Right. It definitely is okay. Yeah. You know, I, I work with I work with adults. I work with people older than me. I work with people around my age. I work with people younger than me. And then I work with kids. And all in one day, I do have to change the way I'm interacting. And also for me, seeing someone's eye when I talk to them, that communication. So make sure that we are connecting. And if I'm six foot one and a kid is two foot two, I can't be standing up and, and expecting. So I get down and I get down and I look at their level. And if I'm talking to a four-year-old, it's going to be way different than if I'm talking to an eight-year-old. And, and so that's why it, it's we have to kind of differentiate who we're talking to and, and make sure that they understand the, the message we're giving out, right? Yep. And it, it's, it's interesting how our demeanor changes as well when we're talking to someone we're affectionate with and we're talking to someone who is business-like and we're talking to someone we care about. Uh, I care about everybody. You know, that's that's just me. <laughs> and it's it's interesting when you I'm a people watcher and I, I love watching people because I, I love seeing how people react and how they act. It's it's one way how one you'll take a look and one person may treat someone one way and someone may treat that same person different. And it's the dynamics are so incredibly interesting to me. I love that you said that because that is literally what I teach. Right. So posture and body language, mm -hmm. the, the use of your voice. These are the things that I kind of focus on and um, because our communication with others determines so many things in our lives. It determines how these other people are going to respond to us and how they respond to us really affects the way we feel about ourselves. Right. The into it all for me is that if you can uh, communicate in an effective way, it always comes back to you in a positive way, which reinforces mm -hmm. your self-confidence and your, your self-image, your image of yourself. Because of that feedback, look, you know, I, I talk to so many people about confidence and the effects that we can tell ourselves a hundred times over that what other people think about us doesn't matter. That's just not true because we do. Oh, of course care. not. <laughs> we do care and we should care. Again, it comes back to self-respect. It comes back to all that. Now, I'm not saying it's the be all and the end all. Just like, you know, that director that said to me, you got to lose those thighs. It was going to be up to me whether I take that to heart or not. Right. But right. Uh, the flip side of that is. If we communicate in an effective, gracious way, if we treat other people with respect, that respect and that graciousness is going to come back to us. And that feedback feels good. And when you feel good, you can feel good about yourself and your relations with others. Whether it's on, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, whether it's on a business level or a personal level. You're also, you're helping your clients in wellness and fitness with beauty. What type of clients are you actually working with? So I, I have a range. <laughs> I have a range of clients. My, my main clients are entrepreneurs, mm. uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, 
speakers. I love working with speakers because the stage is my domain. I grew up on stage. Mm. So um, people that want to get on stage, feel confident about themselves on stage, uh, definitely. So leaders, teachers, those types of people. But like I said, I also love working with tweens and teens Mm. because self-image is such a huge piece of growing up. Uh, And especially these days, we have such a high, I want to call it a pandemic when it comes to suicides, teen suicides. And and a lot of the time it comes back to self-image. And so that's my other passion. My focus, however, is on entrepreneurs and leaders, teachers, those types of people that just want to up level and step up from where they are. Uh, Anyone who feels nervous in front of the camera I also have a lot of clients that work with me. As a matter of fact, later today, I have a practice interview session with one of my clients because she wants to get comfortable in front of the camera. You know, whether it's on stage or in front of the camera, all the same things count. It's just such a, in in today's industry, we all have to get in front of the camera. We do not have a choice anymore. As entrepreneurs, we have to make ourselves visible on social media. And the best way to do that is via Zoom or video or even vocally, too. I work with people on voice, too. So I'm, you know, I've been through the acting training and the singing training and all that. And I understand how important it is to have an engaging voice because people don't want to listen to a monotone voice or an or a screeching voice or an irritating voice. And it sounds harsh, but that's the truth. And a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to that. No, they don't. Especially when they're shy. You can barely hear them. <laughs> right? That's right. It's, it's coming out of that shell. Mm-hmm. And for you to work with, with people who are definitely, obviously, you're doing the right thing because you're, you're saying we need to practice. Yes. And that's part of what a lot of people don't realize, the effort and the time that a person to be successful has to do that. As a martial artist, you can't achieve anything without practice. And but that's in life. I mean, that's in business. If you want to be the top dog, you're going to have to eat a lot of top food, top dog food. Well, you know, I have a six year old son and I always say to him, because he does martial arts, too. He loves it. Oh, nice. Is that what you do with kids? I do. I teach martial arts. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you do? What do you work with kids on? He he will come home and he'll be like, well, it's so hard. I'm like, honey, everything is hard until you've practiced it. Then it becomes easy. And once it becomes easier, it becomes fun. I am so grateful. My parents kept me in dance lessons. There were times I did not want to go because it's hard. Ballet was hard. There was a time in my life that I hated ballet because it was so hard. But I look back now and my love for it came from becoming good at it. And the only way we become good at things is by keeping at it and practicing. And anything in life is like that. Right, right. I've, I've had plenty of parents who've come to me. And now I'm very selective as to who I choose to have as a member. Because if the parents just want to just, oh, he wants to do it. I'm like, well, are you going to make sure they practice? Are you going to make sure? If they're not about doing that, I know that that kid's going to quit and it's going to be my fault. But if the parents are on board, if they're going to, if they're going to make the commitment to bring them, if they're going to make the commitment to put the practice sheet on the refrigerator and say, Johnny or little Mary, it's time to practice. And they put the 15 minute timer on and say, you got to do your stuff. 
if the parents are not willing to do that, then I know I'm going to have a failure in front of me. So I'm not just training the child. It's not just the child. If the parents are not on board, it's, it's a loose situation, especially for the child, because let's say we do have a child who really wants to do it and the parents could care less. That child can be successful, but it would be more, more difficult. Yeah. And it would be really advantageous if the parents took an inkling or a liking to let me, you know, maybe I don't, I'm not going to do martial arts with you. And that's okay. I mean, every parent should do martial arts, but for me, it's like, at least engage with your child. Look, if, if your child is playing soccer and maybe, you know, they're, they're the little tots program and they, they don't even know where the soccer ball is. They're just running in circles. That's okay. But be there and tell them, hey, you know, I like the fact that you ran around, but you see that thing over there? That's the ball. You got to go for that. So the parents have to be engaged. And I know the parents need me time. I get that. But they also have to be there for the child. Because a lot of times I've had kids in the past, not anymore. In the past, I used to take everybody. I don't take everybody. And I let the parents know. I give them a month trial. You can try it out for a month. And then you can, you can see if we're the right place for you. And then in that same sentence, I'm going to say, and I'm going to see if you're the right parents for me. I said, because if you're going to be on the same page as, as I am, I'm here to help your child. And I need you here as well. And then they look at me. I, so I took it away from them. You know, they're like, no, I, I'm going to be there. I'm like, good. Because I, in the past, I used to have parents who the kid is, is doing really well. And, and we give them stripes. They get eight stripes in order to move to the next belt. That means they've accomplished the goal, right? So a little set of goals. for them. And what winds up happening is the kid gets a stripe and there's no parent there to take a picture. And I'm like, oh. So I make sure we take pictures. And then we post them up and then we send yep. it to the parent yep. because that's an accomplishment, Absolutely. right? And it should be celebrated. It should be celebrated. The kids need to feel that appreciation for the work they've done. Yeah. yeah. We forget because our kids go to school and we're not there when they, the teacher hands them that they got either a hundred or they got an A or maybe they got a C or a D on their exams. We're not there when that happens. And it's up to the child to come home and say, Mom, I got an A. But usually the kid is not going to come home and say, I got an F. <laughs> They're not going to do that. But if we were able to know, if, the, if there was some sort of communication and say, hey, and I know the teachers, they do their best. But if there was a way to say, every time my child gets an award or any, any, any criticism, and I don't mean in a negative way, criticism could be a positive thing. If we were able to be there, we could say, oh, hey, Johnny got a D, so how do I help Johnny? Maybe we got to do more homework. Maybe he doesn't understand the subject matter, so we have to be there. And that's where we come in as coaches. That's where you come in as coaches, because we're not there when our kids are in school, right? There's sometimes this one teacher to 22 kids or 30 kids. And sometimes we don't know what our child is going through, right? But when we get older, it would be great to have someone there to help us and guide us and tell us we're doing a good job. We need to do this to achieve that. We need to up our level. And what's the game plan? So that's where you come in. That's where I come in. That's where coaching is so critical to help everyone, to 
elevate everyone because people who work with coaches, they flourish. Well, Raphael, I mean, okay, there's a couple things I want to add because I think. Yes, please. (laughs) I think that's an amazing conversation. Well, firstly, talking about parents being there for their kids. Here's the deal. Children will be children, right? My child loves martial arts, but he doesn't want to go because he's playing with his friends and that's fun, right? Mm -hmm. So if I don't take responsibility and go, honey, your class is starting, we got to leave. And I make sure he gets there. He's not going to get there. He's a child. That's our job as parents of course, to teach our children accountability. You signed up for this. Mommy and daddy's paying for it. You got to be there no matter what. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, it's our responsibility to make sure they get there. Now, as adults, if you look at successful people, people who really flourish, who really thrive in their jobs, they all have coaches and accountability partners. So it doesn't, we have to have to know that for anybody to be successful, we all need that little bit of a push. And that's why it's important. You know, my son, I can't tell you how often yesterday he was again, well, I wish I didn't have karate today. Then he gets there and he loves it. And he's so glad he went, right? right? But it's my job as a parent to show, to get him there and to show him, see, if you show up, you always enjoy it. And sometimes I'll remind him. If he says to me, mom, I don't want to go today. Remember how much you love it when you get there. Vanessa, let me, let me give you a little tip, okay? Yeah. When we're doing something we hate, and then we have an opportunity to do something that's a little less hateful or a, a little better, we jump on that, right? Yeah. Have your son clean the bathroom before martial arts class. And then you say in the middle of it, come on, we got to go to karate. He's going to go, oh, yes, I'll be ready. <laughs> so, if you, so all of a sudden he's going to go, wait a minute, I got to clean the bathroom. And then I get rewarded by going to karate. It's going to change. It's all mindset, oh, no, absolutely. Right? If, if we're doing something that we're not necessarily happy about. And then we can get to do something that we know we're going to enjoy once we start doing it. A lot of times what parents wind up doing, especially in the summer for us, parents say, oh, my son's got a play date. They're going to go swimming before class. And then later on, back kid and come yeah. to class. Right. Why? They were having to end it. Hey, listen, I'm a kid. I'm in the pool. You think I want to get out of the pool and dry up and go put on a uniform and then go and do a class for an hour. And then my friends are still in the pool, by the way. They're not going to karate. They're not going to martial arts. The message is you're doing something so much fun. Let's do something that we're going to take you away from that fun. Yes. As parents, we have to try to figure out what can we do for our kids? Let, let me, if they have this and we did pay for it, right? Do we pull them out of something that they're having an amazing time at and put them into something that we think that's going to be really beneficial for them. They may have fun in it, but the benefits, they don't know the benefits. They're a kid. As parents, we know the benefits. They're going to get disciplined, focused. They're going to learn to listen better at home. It depends also on the place they're going to, because if the place is only teaching punching and kicking, that's all they're going to get. But if they come to me, they're going to get character development. Every class I'm talking to the kids about how to behave, how to be a good person, how to do this you know, and how to pay attention at home and, and how to listen to your teachers at school. So every class, I'm giving the kids a message. I'm like a motivational speaker. I'm on stage every time the kids come to class and they're having a blast. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I engage them and I ask them questions. How would you behave? 
How would you like it if someone hit you? How would you how would you react? You know, all these different things. As parents, we have to be able to set up a schedule like, hey, you know what? I want him to go hang out with his friends, but maybe before he goes finishes the hangout with the friends, okay, let's go get let's go take him somewhere he wants to be, right? And then after that, or let's go make sure you, you know, you gotta go clean your room. You can go swimming, but at this particular time, we're gonna go and you have to clean your room. And he's gonna be well, and that's the, that's the key for me, Michelle. I yeah. totally agree with you. Uh, what I do with my child is he always knows what's happening. Right. So I will be, he'll come home from school. He knows if he has homework, that happens first. That's always his first priority. He's seven. So he doesn't get much home. He's six. He's not seven. He'll be seven this weekend, but he's in first grade, right? right? So he doesn't have a lot of homework, but then he wants to go play with the neighbor's kids. So what I'll do is I'll stand him in front of me. I'll look him in the eyes. And I'll say, honey, okay, you have an hour to play. And then you have to come get ready for martial arts. So he knows it's not a mm-hmm. surprise for him when I show up and I go, honey, ready to go. He's like, mommy, let me just finish this. Okay, we got to be there in 15 minutes. Let's go. And he's right, ready to go because I prepared his little brain. He knows this is what's mm. happening with my dad. Right, right, right. And, and, and there's no room to argue it either because I already told him. And he knows. He's got his game plan. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. You know, and he'll come home from school and he'll be like, mommy, do I have martial arts today? And I'll be like, no, not today. So how long do I have to play? You have so much time. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I've conditioned him. I've taught him well, that he knows, you know, okay, so today I have martial arts, so I have so much time to play. So it's not a surprise right. when I show up and I say, okay, let's go. Right. And that's important. Also, I, I think that the fact that we have to allow kids to negotiate, yeah. right? <laughs> because he's, he's asking, you know, when I have martial arts, I, I know I have one hour to play. So now I don't have martial arts. How much time do I have today? So in a way, you're you're teaching them time management, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I always, you know, I'm I'm a big believer. My child always knows what's going to happen. Daddy's leaving tomorrow on a business trip. And then he'll be like, he'll maybe ask me three times during that day. Mommy, how many sleeps till daddy leave? You know, I think it's very important kids, if they they feel more secure when they know what's to come and what's going to happen. You know, and that's just kind of my philosophy. My parents raised me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel part of why I am secure. And even in tough times, uh, when I was going through my own issues and own insecurities, if you have that foundation from home and, and you have understanding of, of uh, that life has different dimensions and life has ups and downs, but you learn that you can be comfortable with that. That's important. And on the other spectrum, it's me. I had no structure growing up. I did not grow up with my, I, I lived with my parents till I was 10. And I had no structure. I had no idea what was happening with my life. And I had to create my own. So for me, I'm very structured. And it was all just by me figuring things out. So I learned a rough way. Part of that. What, how old were you when you started martial arts? I started around that time. Yeah. But can I tell you, no one in my family knew I did it because I went on my own. At 10 years old, I started training. My friend's father was a master. And then from then on, when I went to junior high school, I used to go train at the basement of a church. And I, I paid with my own money because, believe it or not, at the age of 10, I started working. 
my parents didn't even know I worked. <laughs> so, awesome. and so I started working. And so I kind of created my own ideas of how I should do things. And I was, I was an honor student. No one ever helped me with schooling ever. So I just, I realized that I need to be more. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> I got lucky somehow. But so you have people who are very lucky and they grew up with their parents, great parents. And some people grew up with their parents and parents were not great. I didn't have that situation. So it, it all happens with where our thoughts are, where our minds are. And it's all mindset. And a child can have a great mindset. And sometimes it does come from nurturing parents. Sometimes it just comes on their own. I guess for me, it kind of happened that way because I had a no choice situation. So when we're talking mindset, where does it start? Where do we have our thoughts? How old are we when we really start to put things together, right? Oh, yes, definitely. And I like to use my mother as an example, too. She had a hard life. I mean, she could have been a complete failure. She could have laid down and said, you know, I don't want to go on. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. However, regardless of the odds, uh, you know, she left school at a young age because she had to, because she had to start working. And she made an amazing life. She's an entrepreneur. She's had her own business for the last, heck, I don't know, 40 years. Mm, nice. Um, and she's a majorly successful woman, you know. So, yes, it, mindset is everything. Um, my mom is one of the most positive, yet realistic, grounded people I know. Mm. And um, mindset is everything. It is. It is. You, you also, you're a multiple business owner. I am. My gosh. And you have a child and, and you're coaching people. How do you do it? Well, balance in life <laughs> is very important, you know, and I have to credit my husband for some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also an entrepreneur. He's a high achiever. He, he's, um, but uh, we, we have set some rules in place for us that really makes it easier because as an entrepreneur, you know, the work never ends. So you can be working 25 hours a day if you allow yourself to, because there's always something to be done. Mm. So it's very, time management is very, very important. And it's very important to have your priorities straight. Oh, yes. To us, it is important. Our family, we have two daughters too, a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old. And then we have... Well, I thought you were 25. What's oh, going on here? <laughs> I love you for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I, I'm 48. I'll, I'll disclose that. So there you go. I've, I've done a lot, but I've also gone through times in my life where my balance, my life balance, life work balance wasn't that great. Here's, here's the deal. Um, I work eight to five, sometimes six, sometimes seven. But our rule is at seven o'clock, the computers close, the phones go away, unless we're in the middle of something like a conference or something, you know, that's pressing or have something that we have to get done. But the, the main rule is that after seven o'clock is family time. We are very social. We go out with our kids and our family weekly, make sure we get out and have some fun time. Self-time, I, you know, my child is not a big sleeper. He goes to bed a little late. I mean, I learned early on that if he goes to bed too early, he's up at 3.30 a.m., you know, but, mm. you know, my self-time is really somewhere between 9.30 and 11 at night where I watch television, I play games. 
whatever it is you enjoy doing, you have to make time for that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Time management is a struggle sometimes, but if you have, I learned quite a few years ago that if you can block out certain times in your day for certain things, it all works out. You might not get through whatever task it is you're doing, but if you stick to the time right. schedule, you'll eventually get everything done. And I always remind myself that tomorrow is another day. Don't get too hard on yourself when you don't necessarily get through the whole list because that list is always going to be there. Right. Um, but it is important to make time for family and self. Yeah. And you can make a new list tomorrow. <laughs> I make right? changes every day. Exactly. I mean, and I'll take lists from yesterday and pass it over to tomorrow. You know, it happens. But right. that's basically how I do it. And it's not always that easy, but we all make it happen. We all manage. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's the passion, right? The passion for what you're doing. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it fun, right? Well, my job doesn't feel like a job most of the time. Yes, I say I work, but I don't, I don't always feel like I'm working because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fortunate to love what I do. Right. I mean, when I was performing, I was in seventh heaven all the time. Yeah. I loved rehearsals. I loved, we call moving into the theater and having production days where we're, you know, doing lighting and doing costumes and figuring out makeup and all that stuff. It was, it was like, and then you get on stage and it's amazing. And I did that for so many years. I felt so, and, and yet still everything that I do, I've been fortunate to be able to live my passion all the way through. And, and that's the passion that you're bringing yes. to your clients. Yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Vanessa, how does somebody reach you if they want to up their level? <laughs> sure. Well, they can always email me. My email is Vanessa at victoryfactor.com. Or you can find me on my website, victoryfactor.com. Or on social media. I always love having new friends on Facebook. Uh, you just look up Vanessa Raymond. I'm in Denver, Colorado. should find me right there. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, multiple nice. ways. I'm on Instagram. You know, look me up at... Social media, website, email. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Oh, I really had a wonderful time. And it's great to learn more about you too, Rafael. Well, I'm not your typical guy. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, an anomaly. I, I don't know what I do sometimes. And it, it just my passion for life and my passion to inspire others is what gets me going and what keeps me moving. And, you know, that... That's the key, right? Everything, when people ask me, well, you know, what do you do to be happy or to take care of yourself? It is really most of my love of life and my passion for life comes from watching people around me thrive. Mm. And being a part of that equation is amazing. Right, right. I mean, I, uh, people who've known me uh, intimately for many, many years have never seen me angry, ever. And they're like, he's like the calmest guy. <laughs> he's got so much Zen in him. And, and I realized that when I was younger, I used to have a lot of anger issues. And I gave all that up. And I said, the minute I did that, I felt this freedom. And I will not allow anyone, no matter what happens in life, anyone to take away that away from me. So when... For me to get all angry and, and you're taking away my power, I will not ever let anyone take away my power. You can do anything you want to me. I'll still think you're a great person. And people are like, you're 
not normal. <laughs> That's why you and I resonate because uh, I think so. I once had a boyfriend say to me, "How come you never get angry?" Because he would actually go out of his way to, um, you know, to kind of uh, pick fights or whatever, you know. And I feel like I have no reason to waste my energy on all this negativity. Right. It's just not where I want to put my energy. And, you know, on the flip side of that, I've had to learn to kind of, because I was, I've always been that person and I still am that sees the good in people. And I, you know, I always give them benefit yeah. of the doubt, but sometimes that can cause problems too, because get yourself um, oh, taken advantage of or, you know, other things. So finding the balance there, um, and again, I'll credit my husband with that. He's he's been very instrumental in helping me be more uh, kind of realistic, not criti- critical. I, I'm just not a critical type of person. I don't criticize others for anything. Mm-hmm. But also just being more realistic and trusting your instincts when it comes to people. Right. But I, I commend you for that because I really feel like uh, sometimes, especially people who hold grudges or people who get, angry and doesn't let it go it does more damage to you oh yeah you're doing yourself such an injustice because the other person's moved past it way way long ago they don't even know they don't remember about it half the time yet you're still walking around with that anger and that it doesn't serve anybody it doesn't not at all i think you and i can talk forever (laughs) (laughs) you're such a wonderful person thank you so much for today i loved our conversation Yeah, thank you so much. This was amazing. And thank you for inviting me to be a guest. My pleasure, my pleasure. Such such a great time. Last question, last question. Do you currently have coaches that you rely on? I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I have a business coach. She's amazing. She's supportive. Like I said, we all need, sometimes we don't need those people in our lives necessarily for information. Sometimes it's just accountability or someone to hold that space for us if we need support, right? That's what I say to my fitness clients. I'm like, a lot of them have been with me for years and years and years and years. And I'm like, dude, you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're paying me to keep you accountable more than you do to show you what you're supposed to be doing, right? We all need that in our lives. And I'm part of an amazing organization called Achieve System, which incidentally is my husband's company. Um, He's a number one business coach in the health and wellness industry. He helps health and wellness professionals grow their businesses. That's how I met him because I needed help with my ah. fitness business. And we have all kinds of coaching systems. We have mastermind calls five times a week. And I get to tap into those things too. So all my collaborators, my business partners are all part of that support system, which I think all of us need. We do. We do. Wow. This was this was very informative. And again, thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Raphael. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Raphael. 
Thank you, and I really appreciate your help.